Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did we just become best friends? Yup! Fantasy, best friends forever. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Frank Sample joined live in studio by Andy Singleton. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at PeoplesPen. Peoples with a Z right there in the middle. I know normally this is the time frame where you would come and watch the Fantasy Football Frenzy. So for anyone tuning in who might be looking for the Fantasy Football Frenzy, that show is not gone for good. It is unfortunately just gone for now. I've already shared all my thoughts on uh, Corey Parts and the Fantasy Executive earlier on in the show. You go back, you can watch that, or you can listen. Um, I've, I've spoken with Corey. He's a good buddy of mine. Uh, we're friends. It, it's nothing but love. Uh, but you know, we, we've, we've got to move on here. Uh, and uh, Unfortunately, uh, we're going to talk fantasy baseball uh, for the next hour. We're going to have fun. Uh, that's, that's really what it comes down to. You know, look, we've been talking about some... Some players that we love for the upcoming season. Yesterday was Valentine's Day, so we thought we'd work that in there a little bit. Just had Tim McLeod on. Uh, he drafted out of the two-hole this week in the labor mixed draft. Uh, so we're going to continue talking about some of this stuff. I did want to get some random baseball news, if that's cool you, Andy, that I, that I noticed over here. I pulled up Roto World to see what's going on uh, in the baseball world. Cool with that? Right behind you there, there are two silhouettes and two names, one of which is yours, none of which are mine. So whatever you want to do here is is all well and good. Yeah, with but me. I'm a nice guy, Andy. You know, I want to keep you in mind. I'm not just gonna, you know. I'm a, I'm just the filling BFF. <laughs> so whatever you want to do, I'm good with it, man. You're a third BFF. You're you know. Fourth, 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 fourth outfielder, fourth BFF, whatever yeah. you want to be. I see this report here. John Heyman of MLB Network reports that the Angels are showing interest in Mike Mustakis. Pretty interesting here because Mike Mustakis to me strikes me as a guy who's undervalued every single season, and he can't land work. I mean, I understand that it's a slow-moving free agent market right now. Like, all right, if we're talking about not moving, not finding work, you know, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are, are the head of that. And I, I don't think it's a case that they can't find work. It's just there's a lot of moving parts between those two guys trying to find contacts, contracts right now. They want to make $300 million. They want to get, you know, they want 10-year contracts. So it's tough. Mike Moustakis, to me, he's not looking for that. You know, the guy, you know, wants to get paid, whether it's a one, two-year, three-year, three-year deal. And I think he deserves it, Andy. Uh, moving over to if he can sign on with the Angels here, I'm in. I'm uh, down. Like I know it's not the greatest hitting environment out there in Los Angeles, but he's produced 30 plus home run seasons in Kauffman Stadium, playing in Kansas City. So that's not a great batter uh, hitter's ballpark either. If he joins a lineup with Mike Trout and you know Otani whenever he's back and Justin Upton and all right, Albert Pujols isn't the player that he once was, but I can get on board with that, man. I like Mustakis. I, I I don't dislike him. I'm just trying to wrap my head around where where does he play because I think the big Achilles heel for the Angels is having Albert Pujols, and you, your DH spot is going to be locked up. So you, you went and you got Zach Cozart last year, 
Uh, you still have Simmons there. So where does Moustakas exactly fit into the equation? I think they would probably move Zach Kozart to second base. Okay. Uh, As of right now, they have David Fletcher in there. Okay. And, a guy I mean, that makes also, a lot of contact. You also got, and they don't have the best farm system, but one of the more exciting guys in their system is Louis Rangifo, who's coming up as a shortstop, who you know you might be able to plug in to second and get some speed and some average out of that and, and you know juice up the, the fan base, if you will. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you're going to move now Kozart to second, you kind of you stall that progress from happening. Rangifo is basically ready to come to the majors. Uh, but like I said, you still got Simmons there, so he's, he's probably not going to supplant him at short. Uh, I, I don't dislike Moustakis in any lineup. I mean, given what we've seen, he can be. But I just feel like he's kind of like what they already have there. Um, and maybe better than what they have there, but not so much better that it, it's worth adding the headache of, okay, how do, we, how, do we, you know, how do we make this lineup work now? Well, it's better than him going back to Milwaukee, right? Like, that's the only thing that I've seen. If he goes back to Milwaukee, it's a great hitter's park. But then what do we do? Are we really doing Travis Shaw at second base every day again? Is that what they're going to do? If, they, if, if, if Milwaukee, then the San Diego Padres and the Angels are really the only three teams that I've actively heard come out and have interest in Mike Moustakis. I don't really get it because I think he's above average defender as well. Yeah, and, and again, like I said, it, it could make the lineup better, but how much better are we talking? Are we talking about it going from you know like a, a B to an 30, A? Or? I'm looking at that 38 home run season in 2017 with Kansas City. Yeah. Well, we're two I'm years removed from that, though. He had 28 last year. Right, and that was the... <laughs> I still think that, he, I, I think, that, I think that he could be a 30-home run bad. I, 30, I think, 30 is fair. 30, I, he's a 30-home run you're guy. Getting, you're getting him at a pretty good price right now. I mean, let's look at where he went in this uh, in the labor draft. He went in the 11th round. He went at pick four. Uh, you know, he went behind. I know you like Rafael Devers this year. Uh, I love He also that. went after Justin Turner and Matt Chapman, but those guys went two rounds earlier. The next third baseman that went after him was Eduardo Escobar, and that was two rounds later. So... Oh. I think, I think you're getting him at a pretty good value right now. That's Mike Moustakis, uh, who's going in the 11th round. Before we get, uh, before we get back into this labor draft, we'll, we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. I did want to touch on a few more of these players, Andy, uh, that, we had, that we had touted as our Valentine's Day, our, our sweethearts, the guys that we, that we love heading into the 2019 season. Look, if you've watched the Fantasy Best Friends Forever or listened over the past couple of years, you know that I have been the front of the bandwagon. When it comes to Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove is my guy. We've chanted, we've hit him up to try and get him on the show. Fortunately, he declined. Uh, he actually never answered. So I can't say that he, did, that he declined, but everyone's kind of buying in on Joe Musgrove. And I just want it to be known that I was one of the first ones there. But in Pittsburgh, I think that there was a lot that we saw last year to be excited about, Andy. Uh, I know Matt Modica is also on Joe Musgrove. I know a lot of people are, are buying in here. He's always had elite control, elite command. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. And I think we saw in the second half last year, he started to miss a few bats as well. He started to miss some more bats uh, and get that strikeout rate up a little bit. I don't know that he's ever going to be a strikeout for any kind of guy, but I think that he could be between 8 and 9 Ks per 9 and, and give you good command and also get ground balls. He throws like three or four different types of fastballs. Uh, he also worked in he worked in a cutter last year. That was uh, that was that was pretty awesome. Uh, he has a changeup, so I'm I'm excited about Joe Musgrove, man. I, I think that you know we spoke about Soroka. I think Joe Musgrove is another one of these guys that has top thirty starting pitcher upside. 
Yeah, so I, I want definitely want to get into Musgrove, and we have to get into his teammate Josh Bell, who they're they're begging for us to touch on in the comments section. So we'll get to that as well. But one last point about Mustakis before we put him to rest. One thing that really adds to his his uh, profile, Mustakis going back to him, especially being the third baseman, is the left-handed bat, which can help any lineup. So I think that that works in his favor, as you were talking about. Anywhere, any team that signs him is going to be better for it. But how how he fits into that lineup. Um, Anyway, going back to Musgrove, this guy is a, he's a big dude and he throws he throws something like six pitches. I know he's, you know, settled in on on, you know, his main arsenal and staple, but this is a guy I was really excited about when the Pirates got him in the return for Garrett Cole. I loved him in Houston a couple of years ago. Uh he's kind of that mid rotation bullpen kind of, you know, the long the long role in Houston. Then moves to Pittsburgh and seemingly should have a spot in the rotation. The one question I have about Pittsburgh, and on my way over to the studio today, I tweeted this out. Everybody seems to be high on the Pirates' rotation, from Archer to Tyon to Musgrove to Trevor Williams to Kingham to to Mitch Keller. To I mean, I just named six pitchers that the Pirates have that people are enamored with, and four, five of them are getting drafted in majority of drafts. But where is the offense coming from? I'm really concerned about this, the run support for these Pirates pitchers. Uh, I mentioned this when we covered Jamison Tyon in, in our uh, baseball show preview. Love what they can do individually, but I'm a huge DeGrom fan, as people know, and I've just seen it too many times with Jacob DeGrom that the guy goes out and throws a gem, and then the team just doesn't give him any run support and lets him down. Probably being a Mets fan, Andy. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> I know I'm wearing Mets colors, but anyway. Um, God, poor Mets fan. That really, that really has traumatized me when it comes to starting pitchers and seeing. I don't. You know, Tyon could go out and throw eight innings and give up nothing, but are the Pirates going to even score one run for him? Where you, you're getting great stuff from that pitcher, but is it enough? And and the margin for error is so slim. Uh, it, it's scaring me away from Pirates pitchers, and and it it, it goes back to we go to Musgrove. What, what's his uh what's his ADP right now? Joe Musgrove's ADP right now is two nineteen. I mean, at that at that price, like you you have to. He's climbing up draft boards. People are getting excited about Joe Musgrove. He's going. How about this? He's going right after. He's going right around Forrest Whitley. How many innings is Forrest Whitley going to give you this week? Well, I mean, he's Look, I, he's, he's got elite stuff. I can't deny that. Well, we're talking about Aspects Jesus. The Houston Astros, but re- realistically, how, how many innings is he going to give you? We were talking about Jesus Lazardo before and, and wondering when he's going to come up. Forrest Whitley's in that same range. Let's say they both come up May 1st. I think Whitley's going to give you more than Lazardo, but I think Lazardo will likely get you more innings. I don't know that Whitley factors in. I mean, you, you look at the other guys the Astros have with Josh James, and not to get off on a exactly. tangent here. I mean, look, they have Josh James. They signed Wade Miley. They still have Colin McHugh. They're starting. They're, they're trying to stretch out Brad Peacock as well. They have a lot of options in Houston. Yeah, so I, 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 I agree with it. So uh, when you're talking about... We just started with Musgrove, right? Um, yeah, I, 219. How can you not? But, again, I worry about that Pirate staff. My my logic with Musgrove would be to draft him, hope he gets off to a good start, and then try to move him and, and cash in no, in that range. No, yeah. no, Andy, yeah. no. Yes. No, we tra- draft Joe Musgrove. We don't draft trade Joe Musgrove. That's draft and trade. No, not no, draft no, no, and hold, no, no. draft and trade. Draft, draft Joe, and Musgrove. Trade Joe Musgrove. It's not trade Joe Musgrove. Draft Joe Musgrove. And then trade him. And then trade him. Uh, look, Pittsburgh is one of these organizations where I feel like their lineup never looks that great, but they just kind of figure it out, no? 
If you didn't think it ever right now, they have Adam. This is what roster resource has: Adam Fraser, Starling Marte, Corey Dickerson, Francisco Cervelli, Colin Moran, Josh Bell, Lonnie Chisinau, Lonnie Baseball, and Eric Gonzalez. It's not great, and they have Jung Ho Gong on the bench. And you know, actually, I'm really excited about Elias Diaz. I was hoping that they would trade away Francisco Cervelli so that Elias Diaz would would have the opportunity to, to start every day. See, those those are words that should not be uttered in a fantasy <laughs> baseball preview show. I was excited about Elias Diaz. In two catcher leagues, it's it's a terrible position. You just mentioned though you were Elias Diaz. Who wants to you, walk with Elias? You just mentioned the Pirates lineup never really got you excited. If that was the Gregory case, Polanco will be back at some point, right? But if that was the case, this is even worse. This is even worse than what it's been, and and it didn't get you excited in the past. And we're talking about uh, you know when McCutcheon was there, and 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 Polanco's there, fine. Bell's there. I they want us to talk about Bell. So let's get into Josh Bell. Let's get into Josh Bell. He's actually, uh, he's a favorite. He's a first base breakout candidate for our own Chris Ventura. Your boy. He loves Josh Bell because he, he also plays in points leagues and he's looking at the plate discipline. And look at, uh, look at Josh Bell in, in his major league career. He has a 12% walk rate. The guy has a great eye. He doesn't strike out all that much. For points leagues, I can get behind it. Sure. Roto, I mean, I don't know what the heck the guy is going to give you, to be honest, because... He's going to be a 260 batting average guy. He gave you 26 home runs in 2017. He only gave you 12 last year. The 12 last year is actually a lot closer to what his minor league profile suggested that he was going to be. Was that he was going to be a line drive hitter. He was going to be doubles. He was going to walk a lot. He was going to give you good plate discipline. He was going to strike out. The 26 home runs in 2017, to me, kind of stands out as an outlier because that didn't really mesh with his minor league profile very much. So if I were just projecting Josh Bell for this year, I would say 260 to 270 batting average with a very good OBP, you know, 360, 370 OBP. Like, I think his OBP is going to be upwards of 100 points higher than his batting average. Uh, but the counting stats, 15 to 20 home runs, 75 runs scored, 75 RBI. Is that a fair projection for Josh Bell? It is. And and the problem with Josh Bell is he, he mentioned the walk rate. He He has... In multiple seasons, walked more than he struck out, which is great. You love to see that. But it's almost like it works against him. Like he's too patient. He's 6'4", 235. I want to see the guy swinging about, the bat. You said that about Joey Votto for how many years now? But Joey Votto will put the ball in play as well. I mean, he, he, had, he had discipline. It seems like he, he wants to get a walk more than he wants to try to get wood on the ball. And, and that goes against him. So I, I want to see him swinging the bat more. I I. I Gladly take a few more strikeouts to see if he can get the bat on the ball and, and put it out of the park with that huge frame he's got. That's, it just makes no sense. He's in an enigma. And with that plate discipline, you'd think the average would be higher. It was great in the minors. He was a 300 hitter. It just hasn't translated. So, uh, he, he, you know, he might be one of these late bloomers. We talked about Luke Voigt yesterday at great length and how he kind of, you know, was a quad A guy where he's great at triple A. And it wasn't so great. Well, this guy's had the opportunity. Maybe, maybe a little too young, maybe. He's 26 this year. I'm not totally off Josh Bell. I know Matt Modica, a good friend of the show. You've mentioned him several times today. Uh, he's big on Josh Bell in the later rounds, just as a, as a late stash guy. Uh, thinks he, you know, he's, he's going to put it together this season. I'm not totally off that because he's not going to kill you. He's not going to hurt you, but um, as on your bench. He's not going to hurt you on your bench. I don't want him as my starting CI. Like, I don't want him as my starting corner infielder. If there was ever an age where he can do something that we haven't really, that we can't really project, it would be 26. It would be like right now. Two years ago, he hit 26 home runs. He had a 19% K 
home run to fly ball ratio. In his other two uh, seasons that he's been in the major leagues, he's had a 9.4% home run to fly ball ratio and a 9.2% home run to fly ball ratio. So you tell me, which one's the outlier? Well, listen. It's a season I, where he hit 26 home runs. I'm going to keep repeating it over and over and over again. First base is weak. He's the 26th first baseman being drafted. He's going right around Tyler White. You, I'd rather have Tyler White. I'd rather have Josh Bell. Oh, come on. Playing time. Playing time. Yeah, the playing time is there. But talent always wins out, too. I'll take the talent. Yeah. I'll take. Look, you're bashing the Pirates lineup. I'm taking the Astros lineup. Yeah, you're right there. You're right yeah. there. <laughs> uh, I, I should probably take Peter Alonso, who's going right after He Josh was a Bell. name that I saw. Look, yeah. you, you've, you've worked a lot with, you know, trying to project prospects and stuff. It, 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 it seems Josh like Bell's the Mets are doing everything that they could to block Peter Alonso. Uh, not, Is he going to well, be up May 1st? I don't know. I, I, Who knows what the Mets are going to do? I think he's up. I think Tim Tebow might be up before Peter Alonso. I think he's up May 1st. <laughs> I think he's up May 1st. You think Alonso, so? Alonso, yeah. But you, you mentioned projecting prospects and Josh Bell, who, who this started with. He, he's a miss. He's a clear miss. All signs pointed to Josh Bell being somebody with that frame, that plate discipline, was going to be somebody who was going to get you 25 homers at minimum and a 285 and north average. He did it in 2017. Is it impossible for him to get back to that? I don't think so. But, you know, he's he's got to lift the ball a little bit more. He's got to be a little bit more aggressive. He's got to swing the bat. He's well, the average also dropped with the homers. He was with 300 guys. We come back, we'll continue talking about some players for the upcoming fantasy baseball season. It's the Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called The IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. Scout Fantasy Sports. A lot of the girls that I've dated are not big into social media either. But some are. Some put their oh, whole life on the social media. It's disgusting. I don't right. need to know what you ate for breakfast. You know, people put like their entire meals there all day long, like, and what they do. Why are you documenting your whole life for? And some people, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm away for a week. Thanks. Now I'm going to rob your house. I mean, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Only you would think that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network.
Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Frank Stample joined live in studio by Andy Singleton. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at Peoples10 Peoples with a Z in there. Greg Sussman out this week. I would like to say that he's enjoying Florida, but <laughs> at this point, I don't really know. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Shout out uh, to Greg's cousin, by the way, who uh, re- responded. I, I posted this to Reddit yesterday, and uh, Greg's cousin tweeted in. I can't believe my uh, my cousin show. I said another Stample. He said no other host. I said another Sussman. Oh, really? Yeah. So apparently, different last name. How, so how does the fantasy baseball Reddit work? Because I've always kind of wanted to to join the community. I want to get in there. And oh, the community is great. You post stuff, and then they bash you for it. <laughs> It sounds like everything else that I always do uh, involving the BFS, right? Uh, yeah. We hate your singing, we hate your dancing, but right. That's great. And what happened to the do 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 do? Here's what it here's what it comes out to. I'm not gonna sing or dance without without Greg okay. most of the time. I know I did like the wayo. I mean, you tried to get me to sing and dance, but, and I, I, I shut was kind of put so. on the spot there. And you know, it's tradition. Every Friday we like to we like to do the wayo. We like to sing. We like to dance. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go solo singing. Without Greg, I can't do. I mean, he's the he's got the raspiness. He's got like the. It all starts with Sussman. Yeah, I mean, he you know he carries the singing. I can't do it without him. And I'm a big Metallica guy, so I'm just like Vavona, load up as much Metallica as you possibly can. I'll be good. Have you you like Metallica? I do. I mean, you kind of default have to like Metallica if you're a Yankees fan, right? Yeah, I I, enter Sandman, Mariano Rivera. I I think if you grew up in America, you kind of have to anywhere for that matter. (laughs) You have to kind of like Metallica. I mean, you know, you know, Andy, I, I am envious of you. For multiple reasons, but uh, the main reason being that you grew up in the era that I most likely wanted to grow up in. Yeah. You know, everyone will always ask, you know, if you could choose an era to grow up in or be this age now, what era would you choose? And a lot of people, 50s, 60s, 70s. Dude, yeah, that would, that's what I would say. If I could choose any era, I would have been like my early 20s in the late 80s, early 90s. Like, yeah. that would have been my time. To me, there was, like, so much going on. I'm sure it was a great time to party and be alive. And not only that, I mean, there was just the inception of so many different things at that point in time. Like, you would have seen, and I always go back to these three things. You would have seen the inception of Metallica. You would have seen the inception of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, one of my favorite shows. And just Will Smith in general, I guess. And Michael Jordan. Okay. What more can you ask for? And and I had tapes. I had cassettes, worn out cassettes of of of, of everything you just mentioned. Andy, what are, what are cassettes? What's a what's a VHS? Right, right. Like who's gonna know what a Blu-ray was in a couple of years, right? Oh gosh, that, that had a short lifespan. But watch the Goldbergs. That's a that's a great show, and it, it makes me feel nostalgic every time I watch it because it, it just reference everything from the '80s that was uh, you know I, I clearly remember. I remember that toy. I remember that TV show. I remember, I remember this happening. Oh, the stretch that happened. Armstrong, right? Every, everything, oh, everything that's on that show. So yeah, good <laughs> stretch Armstrong. Good time to reminisce if you're what in your. Uh, here? I'm getting myself in trouble. Get yeah. myself in trouble here, Andy. Have you ever seen Metallica live? I have not. Would you be opposed to it? I would not. Why do you have tickets? No, I don't. Oh. I mean, are, are they going on tour? If, if they are, let's go. I'd love to get some tickets. Uh, every time that they've gone on tour for the past. Greg, if you're watching, we know you're not doing anything right now. Dude, so Greg start likes Dave Matthews, Matthews Band. Let's be serious. Can you name a song by Dave Matthews Band? I feel like I should be able to say yes. No! The answer is always no. With anything okay. involving Dave Matthews Band, the answer is always no, Andy. You're going to make me think by default now of Greg Sussman every time I hear Dave Matthews. I'm going to confuse the two. It's going to be the Greg Sussman Band. If you band. had to guess how many times Greg has seen Dave Matthews Band live, what would you say? 73. <laughs> 
Why are you doing that, Andy? Why you was that low? Yeah, I my, mean, am was, I under? It was way too high. I mean, oh, right. he's seen them like over thirty times, but to me, like, it's not a horrible. I've seen Metallica seven or eight times in my life, and to me, that seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to see a band. I'd see it. Is. I don't know. I've seen them over thirty times. How many times can you hear the same old violin and whatever the I, dude? I can't even name a song. Like tailgating, though, no. Like being a season ticket holder. He's a, he's a Dave Matthews season ticket holder. It's supposed holder. to be TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. It's not supposed to be Piss Frank Off Friday. Talking about Dave Matthews band here. You know what, Andy? I actually I got some reads I got to do. I forgot about this right now. The Daily Roto... No, that's the wrong one. <laughs> At the game, just got a good feeling? No problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're... When you're on the go, I got to rewrite this promo. Try it out today and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to mybookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY and mybookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. Yes, that's right. $1,000. That's mybookie.ag. Promo code FNTSY. You can bet from anywhere you want on the go. All right, Andy, let's get back into some players here. Um, Let's answer some questions first. Let's... uh, Let's go to the chat. Let's go to the chat. Let's answer the people. Let's help the people, Andy. Yeah, so we Let's answer a- the Malik Smith question first because the second one, uh, probably spend a little bit more time on that one. Okay. Malik Smith. I believe we got a question about him dealing with an injury. I actually had to look this up during the break because I didn't even know. Uh, it came out today. Got the Roto World update February 15th at 11 a.m. Uh, per Ryan Divish on Twitter. Malik Smith will be held out of early defensive drills due to a right elbow injury. Andy, Malik Smith is one of these guys where if you want to attack speed later on in the draft, in the middle rounds, he's he's a popular breakout candidate in the speed department, someone that can give you a pretty good batting average. He's not going to tank you there. he give you a 280-plus. He has the legs to legitimately give you, you know, 40, 50-plus stolen bases this year. Uh, but now he's dealing with a right elbow injury. Uh, how much does something like this worry you? It really doesn't uh, because it has nothing really to do with his game um, from, you know, you want to be on the field, of course. So if it's going to prohibit him from doing that, from throwing a ball, et cetera, uh, from swinging a bat, yeah, of course, you, you don't like it. But until more comes out and I, and I hear more about what this injury is, I'm not overly concerned about it. Mentioned he's a left-handed swinger. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's affecting his, his swing or his power, which there's really none of to begin with. The thing I love about Malik Smith, though, and this has been one of my favorite players, and hopefully, hopefully he gets to stay in one city and, and uh, for more than a season, more than a couple months, and, and build a career. This guy is a legit hitter. He's been a 300 hitter in his career in the minors, and then he comes up and he's now shown he could be that at the majors. He's a he's a free runner, if you will. We like to say some guys with the bat, free swingers. He's a free swinger as well. He, he strikes out probably more than you want to, above 20%. Uh, doesn't walk as much as you want. He's under 10% in that category. But he does put the ball in play, and then he does use his legs to get on base. So he's going to get you that 300 average. And then he's a free runner in, in terms of that he got great speed. He's going to get caught a bunch of times. But the volume is going to be there that he's also going to finish, as we saw last year with 40. He's That's his baseline. And hopefully he gets every day at bats now being in Seattle, and, and he can be a 160-game player, get you 50-plus deals, and give you a 285, 290-ish or better batting average which means if that's happening, I'm I'm saying he's going to be close to scoring 100 runs. 
I'm not expecting anything in the power department, RBI included. So if he can give me three out of five categories, though, at a weak outfield position, I'm, I'll take it every day. Yeah, Malik Smith, one of these guys that's kind of bounced around a little bit. He's been looking for a place that he can call home. It seems like Seattle might be that opportunity. They, they finally gave him an opportunity last year to play a lot. We saw a career-high 544 plate appearances, played in a career-high 141 games. Andy mentioned that they're just going to let him run. They're going to let him run, run, and run some more. Because Last year, he had 40 stolen bases. He had 12 caught stealing. So they let him run 52 times on the base pass last year. And as of right now, roster resource has him projected to bat first in the lineup. Imagine what they could do if they have Malik Smith, D. Gordon, back-to-back. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, man. We get, a lot, we get a lot of double steals out there in Seattle this year. Uh, but this is definitely something that you do want to monitor, uh, the right elbow injury for Malik Smith. Andy, I know you had another question, so I'll, I'll, let, you, uh, I'll let you prop that one up and also uh, give your side of, uh, give your take on it. It's, it's very simple. So one of the questions was uh, Carlos Correa or Reese Hoskins points league. And I mentioned earlier, if you've been listening to the whole time, uh, I don't know if it was the last segment or two segments ago, but I mentioned Carlos Correa is my early bold prediction at the AL MVP for 2019. I think he comes back fully healthy. I think he has a lot to prove and I think he's capable of proving it. So uh, he's, he's one of those guys you can get at a slight discount this year. I think he's going what around the third, fourth round. Um, that's my early pick for MVP. So how can I go against that and take somebody else? So Carlos Correa over Reese Hoskins for me. Carlos Correa going pick 51.6 in NFBC ADP in the month of February. So you're getting him you're getting him in the fourth round of 15-team leagues here. Andy, I love you, buddy. But you didn't watch last week when, when, uh, when Dr. A was on talk about Carlos Correa. Okay. He's very worried. In He's what regard? very worried about Carlos Correa because Carlos Correa, this back injury, poor injuries, I know we're getting all the reports, 100% Carlos Correa. These are things that could very quickly turn into chronic injuries. And just given that the torque that Carlos Correa swings the bat with, He's been right around 110 games played each of the past two seasons. Look, it's a bold prediction, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill you for you know your AL MVP pick as a bold prediction, but I'm worried, man. I'm worried about Carlos Correa. And, and I realize you're getting you're getting him at a discount because you know when when he's good, when he's healthy, everything's good to go. He's a borderline first round pick. And that's where he was going last year. Now you're getting him in the fourth round. Yeah, and, and I, I totally get that. And I'd sound yeah. like a hypocrite if I didn't think the back played a part, especially when I've been saying for years now that it, it makes me stay away from Kershaw in any format, in addition to just not taking starting pitchers early. But the back would really worry me. So for a batter, for an everyday player, even more so. But he's 24. He'll be uh, 25 at the end of the season in September. He's the face of the organization. I mean, this guy is, is a legit superstar. I'm believing everything he's saying. I'm I'm buying into the off-season workout videos that I've seen posted of him lifting and working out. I I, I think he's smart enough to realize, um, you know, that age, I think he's a little become a little mature. Being the first pick in overall in the draft, uh, everything that's gone on in the island of Puerto Rico, and feeling like you know he's he's holding a nation, you know, playing for them, everything like that. All the off-field stories that contribute to who Carlos Correa is. I think he embraces them. I think he welcomes them. I think it's added a level of maturity to him. So I, I say all that because a typical 24-year-old is going to be trying to lift everything in sight and, and you know, 
blow the roof off the gym. I, I think he's realizing and recognizing who he is. I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm a shortstop, and I have to have that flexibility, and I don't need to try to hit 50 home runs. I can hit 30 and help my team. I, I missed being on the field last year. I, I feel like I let us down. I want to play every game this year. I want to be back, and if I have to adjust my workouts, if I have to adjust my training, my diet, whatever it comes down to, and I'm really buying into that for Carlos Correa. So with all those things considered, I do think the health is back, and I do think he'll be back on the field. And if he's on the field every day in, in that capacity, you know, maybe it's not going to be the elite numbers that we wanted, but I think they're going to be consistent. He's going to give you across the board five categories, uh, maybe, maybe four. We'll say four because I'm not sure that the speed will be there. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm all in on Carlos Correa, and a lot has to do with his draft price. And I'll say this. His upside is higher than a guy like Reese Hoskins. I'm not going to deny that. But I think his downside is also lower than a guy like Reese Hoskins. In a points league, I'm going to continue to hammer this home. I like durability. I like guys that are going to play every single day, guys that you don't have to worry about platoons. That's definitely not the case with Carlos Correa. But the durability, the injury concerns, that is something that you do have to worry about. And Reese Hoskins, uh, I also really do like the fact that he walks a lot. Uh, You know, 13% walk rate last year. In 2017, in 50 games, he had a 17% walk rate. Uh, Last year around this time, I was saying Reese Hoskins, if you look at his minor league profile, really reminded me a lot of Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo was also a guy that walked a lot in the minors. He had some pop. I see the same things in Reese Hoskins. In 2016, at Double A, he had 38 home runs, 12% walk rate. In 2017, Triple A, before he was called up, 29 home runs, 13% walk rate. So you're asking me in a points league, am I taking Reese Hoskins or Carlos Correa? I'm taking Reese Hoskins because he's going to walk a lot. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. Look, he had 34 home runs last year. I think he actually built on that. I think the Phillies lineup is better. Imagine if they add a guy like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado to that mix as well. They all they already traded for JT Real Muto. They signed Andrew McCutcheon. Again, the upside for Correa is higher. The downside for me is lower. I'll go somewhere in, the, in, in between, and I'll take Reese Hoskins. Well, here's a couple of negatives against Hoskins for me. Now, are, are we assuming that he projects to hit more home runs? I mean, you see the 50-game sample. He hit 18. We know the power. We, we saw the, the batted ball profile and, and I wouldn't project the plate discipline. For, he had 34 home runs last year. I wouldn't project for him to hit more than that. Okay. Like, I think he'll be in, like, the 32 to 35 range. Okay, so 32 to 35. He didn't even uh, top 247 Davis. In batting average, he was at 246. Yeah. He's not stealing anything. I don't expect a big batting average, so but I he, do think he could be better than 246. He's literally just giving you power, and it's not even elite power if you're telling me 30 to 35. I mean, it's great power. Don't get me wrong. It's above average power, Pretty but it's not, it's not elite power. And for him to be getting drafted, where's he going? He's going uh, 41st overall. He's going. He's going a That's, little bit ahead of, uh, of Correa right now. You're paying for premium. But if you're just asking me Correa versus Hoskins, which was the original question, right? Right, but I'll give you the negatives against Hoskins. Why? I'm further backing up my, <laughs> my conviction in Carlos Correa. Uh, you're paying too much of a premium for above average. You're, you're, paying, you're paying premium dollars for above average production. I'm looking at the, the runs in the RBI production, though, too. I mean, 89 runs last year. He's going to get on base, so he's going to score runs. He hits in a, a great hitter's environment in Citizens Bank Park. I've already mentioned what they've done to the lineup. They added McCutcheon, so he's... he's Does that probably, make his batting average better, though? I think that he's... You don't think he's a better hitter than 246? Whatever yeah, well, he was at last year? He was I, at, think, I think he's better than that. Okay, so 260, which is what he hit his first year? 259. And you look at the minor league 
numbers. Uh, the batting averages I, were a lot better. I'm I'm there with you, but we were talking about in 2017, 281. We were talking about Josh Bell being a 300 hitter in the minors yeah. and then not translating. So my only concern with that is, what would you say would be the high side of optimism for batting average for Reese? Two seventy. If everything broke right, two seventy, two seventy. Okay. So if everything broke right for Correa, I hear what you're saying. He can hit three fifteen. Okay, so two seventy. 30 to 35. So I'll give you the 35. 35 homers, 270. He's going to come close to 100 runs in RBIs. Okay. He's going to do that. Who, who's going He's going to be in the lineup every single day. Okay. So who, 89 runs last year, 96 RBIs, and the, and the lineup only got better in Philadelphia. So now I'm looking. Chris Davis is going after him. So we know we're getting Chris 247. Davis a K. We know we're getting 247. Yeah. We know we're getting 40 homers. Here's we, the problem. In NFBC, Chris Davis with a K is utility only. I, I see that. I see that. Well, I, I'm just looking at other guys. Cody Ballinger's going after. Reese Hoskins, Hoskins has outfield eligibility, and he's going to play first base this year, so he's going to have dual eligibility. So does Cody that Ballinger. Also helps him. So, do, so does Cody Ballinger. And oh. Cody Ballinger is going to give me the same number of homers. Uh, Cody Bellinger. and give me speed. Cody Ballinger is a tough one. I he's tough to figure out. I take I take Ballinger over Hoskins nine out of ten times. Cody Ballinger to me is tough to figure out. I would. I just I figured like, it out. Way take him over Reese Hoskins. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I think there's a lot, lot more underlying numbers with Cody Bellinger. I think I'm gonna try and get away from players who hit a lot of infield fly balls because those are guaranteed outs. Cody Bellinger is a guy who hits a lot of infield fly balls, and last year it was something that I was trying to overlook with Rafael Devers because I was all over Devers, and he let me down. He hits a lot of infield fly balls. We're gonna have to go first base overall in our drafts with with the dark. We'll be right back. We'll talk about Cody Ballinger. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Game time decisions. Yes, yeah, President's Day. Oh yeah, President's Day. Yeah, I forgot. I see the President's Day uh, sales at Buffalo at the at the mattress guy. They're having a real mattress wars game between Costello and uh, the other sleep guys. They're getting really uh, the campaigns are getting a little angrier too. Kind of like presidential campaigns, like taking cheap shots at the other mattress guy. Yeah, President's mattress, Day sales. <laughs> the mattress wars. Uh, yeah, yeah, the mattress wars are uh, hot in Buffalo. Yeah. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to kingfacegrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Morning after. One of the very few guys that would have had the opportunity to prove everybody wrong. Or an opportunity to go, well, I'll show you if another NFL team is to be the chance. to play, Joe. You know it. That, well, that's my point is that he's you, a bigger celebrity as he is now than he right. ever would have been as if he lost the job so to playing Gabber. Playing. It's not about playing. Yeah. Because you and I gave, we'd have jumped at that opportunity to stick it right up Roger Goodell's ass. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. 
Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. I am Frank Sample, joined in studio by Andy Singleton. You can follow him on Twitter at People's Pen, People's with a Z. Talking a little bit about Cody Ballinger before the break. I know you want to get to Flaherty and Moncada. We'll do that as well uh, here in the final segment. But I can't believe it's the final segment already. Yeah, man, two hours. I'm flying by. Fast, man. Is everybody enjoying the show? Anybody's watching the show? You guys enjoying this? I, I'm enjoying it. I don't know how much that that matters. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Chris Pavone is enjoying it downstairs. I see. I see Chris Ventra, the closer in the chat, chiming in a little bit as well. I know he's uh, he's a big Yohan Moncada guy, so. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll chime in from, from downstairs and give us some of his Moncada thoughts when we get to him. But uh, I wanted to get into Cody Bellinger a little bit here because for me, he's kind of tough to figure out this year, Andy. And I don't know. Maybe I'm making it tougher than it should be because, I think you are. look, it's a, it's a 23-year-old who, you know, he's going to turn 24 throughout the season. He already has a 39 home run season under his belt when he was a rookie in 2017. But he regressed last year. He had 25 home runs. Um. The hard hit rate came down. The home run to fly ball ratio came down. The fly ball rate came down. His infield fly ball rate, again, infield fly ball rates, this is something that I want to focus a little bit more on this year because they're guaranteed outs. They're, these are going to hurt your batting average. They're going to hurt you big time. Last year, 16.5% infield fly ball rate. That was nearly double from the year before in his rookie year when he was amazing, when it was 8.4%. Something I'm also looking at with Cody Bellinger is... He struggled against lefties big time last year. The year before, he was much better. He, he hit like 260, 270 against lefties. And that kind of gave me confidence in him heading into the 2018 season because I said, all right, you know what? He's not going to platoon. He's going to play every single day. He held his own against lefties. You look into his minor league numbers too, and they're very mixed. Some, at some levels, he was all right against lefties. In some levels, he was very bad against lefties. Last year, 226, 681 OPS versus left-handed pitching. I'm worried, man. I'm a little worried about Bellinger this year. I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't be. So, All right. You look, you, you, you look across the board at the profile. The one thing that jumps out, and, and the big difference to me, was the soft contact increase last year. The infield fly rate roughly been his whole career. Last year, not this past, I'm sorry, two years ago, 2017, was at a career low. It was under 10% for the first time in his career, going back to the minors and everything. So that's something that's been there. That's not something that was, you know, all of a sudden he... You can, you can look at it and say that's an outlier. You can look at the 2017 goodness and say it was a positive outlier, whereas it's not really in line with his, his career. The soft contact, though, is, is what worries me a little about last year. Now, let's go take it back to last segment when I was talking about Carlos Correa. Take it back to yesterday when I was talking about the psychology of things and off the field and everything. You mentioned Cody Bellinger is, is what, 23? He'll, he'll be... Uh, 24 in July. 24 in July. Same age, roughly, as Carlos Correa. And I'm talking about the maturity with Carlos Correa. Not to say that Bellinger is immature. I think he's, he's you know, pedigree comes from his father being a pro ball player, everything like that. He, you know, the, the, the genes are there. Um... I think his maturity is there as well. I think last year, he was never the big power guy throughout his come up through the minor leagues. He became the big power guy. He, he was part of the, the, the launch angle revolution and then jacked and all the, these. And the Dodgers are at the forefront of that revolution. Right. So he so comes you know up. He's going to buy into that. He comes up, buys fully into it, has this immediate success, a, a season for the ages, a rookie season for the ages. I think he bought a little bit too much into that. I think he's going to go back to his roots. I think he's going to get back to being fundamental in his roots. He's not going to be that 40 home run guy we want. Maybe he will because we see what's going on with the, with the way the balls are flying out of the park now. But I think 30 home runs 
is fine for me. I think he's back to that 270-ish average. Uh, he gives you speed at a position that doesn't really offer speed other really than Goldschmidt. He can give you double-digit steals, 15, maybe even flirt with 20. He gives you the outfield eligibility as well. Uh, I am not worried at all. I think he's young enough to figure it out, and I think he will figure it out just because of who he is and how he come up and, and, and the pedigree and everything like that. So you put it all together. I think the corrections to his game are there. I think he humbles himself. I think he gets back to being who he is and not what we want him to be. Andy, I, li- I like what you did there because, and I like this a lot about, you know, your breakdown of players is maybe sometimes I look too much just into the statistical evidence and you look a lot at the personal side of things, the, the mental side of things. And I do want to try and factor that more into my analysis because I, I think you made some good points. Last year, I, I evaluated a player like Javier Baez solely based on statistical evidence. And I hated him because he swung him in his too much and he struck out a lot and he didn't walk. And I didn't see how, you know, his batting average was going to be sustainable. And then he went out and made me look completely foolish. A lot of people. And maybe when it comes to players that have this kind of prospect pedigree and they're this young, you just kind of buy into the fact that they're going to progress and they're going to be better. And okay, yeah, there was some statistical evidence that showed that, you know, they, they, they backtracked a little bit last season, but failure is a great motivator for anything in life. And especially, you know, in sports at the, ma- at, the, at the major league level, you know, Cody Ballinger, you mentioned, he was humbled a little bit last year. So maybe that's something that I should look into. Here's what I have as my projection for him. 255, 28 home runs, 80 runs scored, 90 RBI, 10 stolen bases. Now that's... I think it's very... That's, that's conservative. Very conservative. My, my projection for Reese like Hoskins, 250, 32 home runs, 85 runs, 90 RBI, 5 stolen bases. I'd take Bellinger in, in, in both of those scenarios. The batting average is not going to be far off. I think Reese Hoskins is a little bit safer for the home runs. I think the runs will be close. I, I think the RBIs will be close. I might actually give a slight favor to actually Reese Hoskins. Uh, Cody Bellinger is probably going to give you a couple more stolen bases. He's going to give you, you know, five to ten more stolen bases. At least. At least. Which is a big difference. And I think especially close, though. I, I don't think the fact that they're going this close is a, is a bad, is, is like a bad take by the fantasy baseball industry. I think they should be going this close. Oh, absolutely. They should be. But I, I definitely think I, my money would be on Bellinger over Hoskins if you're given the choice of the two. And, and just one other player I wanted to kind of point to in, in what you were saying about, you know, uh, being young enough to figure out or being, you know, penalized for a past season and all that kind of Gary Sanchez is still being the first, first catcher taken off the board because the position is is so depleted, right? He had an awful. We know, we know what his upside he is. He had an We've awful last year. His upside is 272, 280 hitter with 30, 35 home runs from the catcher position. That's, that's his the, upside. Right, but that's nowhere last near year, where he was last, last year. Last year we saw his downside. But it didn't, it didn't affect him in any way, shape, or form of how people are drafting. So why would you do that for other players like Bellinger? I'm not saying you in particular. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying hypothetically. Why would well, you? Well, he's he's going in the third round right now, right? Bellinger. Last year he was yeah. going in the second. I mean, maybe that was know, a, he hasn't he's, hasn't fallen that. Far. Maybe that was a bad example. But if if, if, if you know but if I we're think, using the argument against Hoskins, I think I Bellinger's think you can player. relate what you're saying right now to a guy like Yohan Moncada, who you wanted to talk about because for me, statistically, there's a lot of bad with Moncada because he strikes out a lot, he swings and misses. 33% strikeout rate last year. I mean, this isn't just bad. This is really bad. Like, we're talking about one of the worst in all of baseball. He has swing and miss issues. Like he, he swings extremely hard. He makes hard contact. And that's why you see his batting average 
is 230, it would be even lower if, if it weren't for the quality of contact that he makes. Because whenever he makes contact, it, you know, he has high batters. He can sustain that because he hits the ball as hard as he does. But he has a 33, 32% strikeout rate. And it worries me. There's nothing that I can look at statistically, Andy, that would allow me to project Yohan Moncada to have anything higher than a 240 batting average. There's nothing. There's nothing statistically because I looked at every single monthly breakdown. I looked at his splits by month. I looked at first half versus second half. It didn't get better. His plate discipline his plate discipline's not bad. Let me not say it that way because he walks a lot. But in terms of strikeouts, it did not get better. So the only way that I could project for, you know, if you are on the optimistic side of projecting Yohan Moncada, you might say he has the upside to hit 250, 260 with 30 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Maybe that's like, is, you know, his top percentile outcome this year for Yohan Moncada. But the path to him getting there would be him doing something that we've never seen him do before, Andy, which, is, which comes back to statistical evidence that I have from him versus maybe what you're about to say, the fact that he has the prospect pedigree. It's not just the prospect pedigree, and I hear all the arguments against Moncada. I mean, he led the league last year in strikeouts with 217. The argument's already strikes out too much. Yes, he does. But I'll get into that in a moment. The other argument is he can't hit lefties. His splits are bad. But, Which is weird because he's a switch hitter. Yes, and, and people say that he should just pick a side and stick to it. But here's the other thing with that. The sample size might be small. Prior to last year, he only had 54 games in 2017, just a handful at eight You know when he, when he was still with Boston in 2016. So it's, it's not what he was last year with 149, but... If you're looking at the splits against lefties, that was really last year. It's not you – know, last year injected, I should say. Um, career-wise, it looks bad. But if you go back to 2017, he was pretty even, split righties versus lefties. I don't think last year was really true representation of what he is as a hitter. I think the hamstring issues plagued him as well. I, I think when you talk about a guy who has speed in his game and then you take that away, you're in unfamiliar territory. You're, you're, you're in uncharted waters like where you don't, have, you don't feel – you have your full complement. Think about when you wake up in the morning and you have a slight headache. It's not a pounding headache. I got a call out, of, you know, call sick out of work. Or a hangover. I drank, I drank a couple beers last night. Right, and you don't feel yourself. You feel like, eh, somebody asked me to do this. I can do it, but not how I feel comfortable doing it. I think when you take a, guy, a speed guy like Moncada and you, you take away his hamstring and his ability to feel comfortable with that speed, I think it changes the outlook. And this was his first full season. Now, we're talking about the strikeouts. He hit... Uh, uh, let me put my number here. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? He had a, a 30% strikeout rate, but he batted 309 over the final 25 games of the season, and that was still striking out 30% of the time. My because point, of the quality of contact that he makes. My, my point with that is... Very high average exit velocity. I don't care about the Ks as much. He can hit 300 while striking out 30% of the time. He's proven he can do it. I know it's a short period, 25 games, a month, whatever. We're yeah, talking a whole different thing. Can you do that, though? It's Over 150 not, games, can you strike out 30% of the time and hit 300? Because I think no, his path... You, no, you can't hit 300. His, but yeah, he, his path would be Aaron Judge, right? Aaron Judge, who strikes out 25 to 30% of the time, but maintains a 280 batting average because he hits the ball as hard as he does. I, I could see Moncada getting to that point, but he still needs to drop it at least a little bit. It I, can't be 33 35%. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Judge, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say why. And we were talking about this with Bellinger, and it's about players making adjustments. I think the biggest adjustment Judge made to bring him to MVP levels was saying, I'm not a home run hitter. I, I'm a gap-to-gap -gap doubles hitter, like a Michael Conforto. 
and he stopped trying to hit the ball out of the park. And just because he's so big, he started making better contact, and the ball would travel out of the park. That's what changed for me in Aaron Judge's game. I'm hoping Moncada can make similar changes and strides. He's not a high-average guy. He, he showed he could be in the minors, but this is, this is elite pedigree of player. He's still just 24 years old. He's got the power. He's got the speed combo, but I'm not looking for... 40-40 from him. Not this year, at least. Maybe maybe if he can put it together this year. and Give, give me 20-20. And, and, I think he can do that. And let's move on. Right. And if you're getting him where you're getting him, that is that is maybe arguably hands down the best value in 2019 drafts. If he turns in a 250, 260-ish season with 20-20 at second base, you, you're probably winning majority of your leagues for, for where you're going to draft him. He's going to pick 163 right now. The second basemen that are going just ahead of him, or, I mean, I'll include, you know what, they're actually pretty far ahead. Brian Dozier is going 30 spots ahead of Yohan Moncada. Should they be that far apart? He is a starting second baseman for me, which means he'd be in the top 12. We're looking at standard 12-team league. He's, he's currently the 14th second baseman. Guys right in front of him are Brian Dozier, who I can't stand. Um, nothing personally, just, you know, <laughs> as far as... I was about to say, what did he do? Did he, like, right, spit no, no, on no, you no. at a game or something? No, as far as fantasy baseball player... I can't stand the guy. Uh, I, I I think his two good seasons were the outliers for him. If you look at his career, he had two good seasons. So frustrating. One really good one. He's always, like, a, either a first or second half guy, too, Dozier. Like, he goes yeah. on these amazing runs, and, like, his end-of-season numbers look pretty good. I'm with you, man. Like, I don't want anything to do with Brian Dozier. I don't think the second base position is very good. Brian Dozier, Agreed. Jonathan Scope. A lot of people are going to look at these guys as bounce back candidates. Uh, I'm not really in Moncada. You know, I go back and forth because I drafted him last year and he burned me a little bit. But I mean, you got to be able to erase that from your mind. You got to be able to say, "All right, it's a new year, prospect pedigree." Like I think you know he has league winning potential. I'll tell you, the second baseman that I am on is Rugnet Odor. Like that's a guy that I'm going to be on because he made conscious adjustments last year. And we and we we saw, but you get the same thing from Moncada, and only thirty spots later. So that's a full is, two I, rounds. I've seen Odor hit thirty home runs before. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. done it twice. I hear you, but maybe okay, all right. So I like right now Odor is going one twenty seven, and Moncada is going one sixty three. But again, Odor, I've seen him hit thirty home runs, and that. But with this new approach, if he's a little bit more patient, uh, maybe he's not trying to just hit home runs all the time. Even if Odor hit. 250 with 25 home runs and 15 stolen bases. I think he could get there because, you know, we've already seen him hit the 30 home run park and he made, you know, he well, made conscious adjustments last year. So, but the average, Odor is the guy that I'm on. But the average went from 271 to 204. 204. I mean, that was two years ago, right? In 2017. Yeah, his second 30 home run season. 204. I mean, and, and the no, Rangers were an outlier, anything. though. That's an outlier in, in Odor's career. Uh, uh, Everything uh, else is higher than that. 100%, but he's probably. In that year, not in the lineup, if the Rangers were doing anything. I mean, the fact of the matter is they weren't competitive. So, yeah, we can afford to roll this guy out and just let him swing for the fences. We don't care if it's 204 or 196. Like, it, it didn't matter at that point. Um, you're right, though. The second base position is, is another one that I don't feel is particularly deep. It's why Jose Altuve, for me, is still, you can argue, first rounder. I know he's kind of slipped out of the first round. but don't have enough time. Knowing what I'm he's out. giving. I'm oh, out on Altuve, too. Yeah, I'm out on all Astros. Not named Tyler White or Alex Bregman. Well, I'm not even going to get into my, my Flaherty uh, rant and why he's my first pitcher so, on the well, board. We'll have you on again before the season starts. Well, we'll see what happens. About it. 
Uh, real quick, we do have Steve in Massachusetts. I don't know if we have enough time. We have two minutes. Steve, can you make it quick for us? Uh, 844-843-6879, Steve in Massachusetts. Uh, if you can make it quick, we, we'll be able to answer your question here. What's going on, man? That was pretty fast. Stevie. What do you guys think about him? Uh, in the two minutes that you have left, who was that? We didn't. We didn't. Stats on a minute. Uh, Yoshi, Yoshi Kakushi, the guy from uh, Seattle, the Japanese guy that just picked up. What yeah. do you guys think about him? We we actually spoke about him earlier on in the show. You go back and uh, you get a more extensive breakdown of how we feel about him. Uh, Andy actually really likes him a lot. He's going to have a 150 to 160 innings cap this year, but we do think that in those innings pitched, uh, he's he's going to be a pretty serviceable pitcher. I don't know that I'd want him as uh, one of my top three pitchers. In fantasy, right around that mark. But anything after that, like, is my SP four? I don't, I don't hate it. Right around that mark. But Steve, thank you for the call, and and we are up against the time. But if you go back, I forgot what segment it is. Maybe the second segment. Go back to the beginning. Yeah, of the show. Watch the, the whole show. Second. We said a lot of great things today. Yeah, too long. Two hours goes fast, Andy. It really does. I hope you had fun the past two days, man. I did. I did. I, I mean, think today given, was a given little the circumstance. <laughs> I yeah. think we did. A, I think we did an all right job. I, I, I walked into the gauntlet, but you know, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. Today was a little better. We'll have you on again too. We'll have you on with Greg. Um, I mean, Greg's probably not going to listen to this. So uh, between me and you, we can make fun of him for being a Dave Matthews fan. So next time you come on, me and you are going to double team. Uh, we're going to double team Greg, right? Dave Matthews tailgater. I want to thank Andy Singleton, my man. Follow him on Twitter at People's Pan People's with a Z for joining me in studio the past few days. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much. For everybody at home, thank you for watching and listening. Remember, stay classy, fancy owners.